everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Our individual and religious liberties are under attack. If we don't protect them, they might disappear forever. Today, I discussed a way forward with someone full of wisdom and common sense. This is Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. I'm so excited for today's show, and when I tell you excited, I am truly excited. My guest today is the great Dr. Ben Carson, the founder and chairman of the brand new American Cornerstone Institute, a nonprofit think tank dedicated to promoting conservative solutions to real problems our nation face. From March 2017 to January 2021, Dr. Carson served in the Trump administration as the 17th Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Dr. Carson was also a presidential candidate in the 2016 Republican primary. Before then, he was a world-renowned neurosurgeon and became director of the pediatric neurosurgery at the John Hopkins Children's Center. I'll ask Dr. Carson about his extraordinary life, his new institute, conservative values, and much, much more. Let's go. Well, today, I'm just so ecstatic to have one of my uh, heroes uh, on with me today, and that's none other than Dr. Ben Carson, thank you for joining out loud with Gianno Caldwell. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. No, the pleasure's all mine. And I want to tell you, you know, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, extremely poor, lights, gas, and water off at the same time. And growing up, one of the people that they always put before us was uh, your poster and talked about your story. But you had an even more direct impact on me um, in a way that you probably don't even know today. I got involved in media back in 2014, and it was because of people like Armstrong Williams and you, of course, who was the executive editor of American Currency, uh, the magazine that the Washington Times distributed. And because of that, that led me to writing for a think tank called Project 21, Radio Star to Colin, B-Level TV, and then went on to work at Fox News Channel, which is where I work right now as a Fox News political analyst, and then wrote a book, and again, again thanks in part to you, uh, titled Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. So I have a lot uh, to thank you for, uh, not only just being a leader in this movement, but certainly uh, being an active role model and mentor to so many of us who who grew up poor um, whether they be white, black, or indifferent, to lead a better lives for ourselves. So I thank you so much for that, Dr. Carson. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the south side of Chicago because I remember some years ago going there to a high school called Wendell Phillips High School. Mm. You're probably familiar with it. My mom went and, there. 
Oh, really? Yes. And you would have thought a rock star had come in because one of the banks had bought copies of my book, Gifted Hands, for all the students, and they had been reading it. And, uh, you know, I talked about being a nerd versus being cool mm. and uh, where each one of those things leads. And uh, at the end, I said, so how many people want to be cool? Almost no one raised their hand. I said, well, how many want to be a nerd? And just about everybody raised their hand. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. <laughs> no, it, it absolutely was. And I'm, I'm just so interested, especially considering the fact that our backgrounds are very similar in a way. Obviously, I'm not a newer surgeon or um, as prolific of a figure as you at this moment. Uh, but certainly, how is it? that you became conscientious of your conservative values? What drew you to conservatism? Was it a natural process, given your faith and experience or values instilled in you? Or or what was it exactly? Well, you know, I, I grew up in Detroit, so I was a Democrat. Detroit and Boston, Democrat strongholds. And then I went to college in New Haven, Connecticut, another Democrat stronghold. And then Ann Arbor, Michigan, for medical school, another demonstrating stronghold. Then to Baltimore, to Johns Hopkins, another Democratic stronghold. So I was pretty dyed-in-the-world Democrat. And then I did something that Democrats are never supposed to do. I listened to a Republican. Hmm. I listened to Ronald Reagan. And I said, this guy sounds just like my mother. And, uh, you know, it's very commonsensical, practical stuff. And at the same time, you know, I was kind of questioning what was going on in society because I was seeing these patients. Uh, and, and so many of them were, you know, being subsidized by the government, and they were perfectly healthy people. And I said, we are actually hurting these people by making them dependent on government. And that was really the beginning of, of my transition and wanting to change that dynamic. It is a hard dynamic to change. I got to tell you, there are many people who are very solidly invested in it. And, uh, you know, the more dependency they can create, the greater their power becomes. And I think that was the very reason that Nikita Khrushchev many years ago said of America, he said, your grandchildren, your grandchildren's children will live under communism. And we won't have to fire a shot because he knew certain things. He knew that if you gain control of the school system so that you could indoctrinate the kids, he knew that if you gain control of the media so that you could suppress and promote those things that you wanted people to know, and that if you remove God and replace that with dependency on the government, and you increase the national debt to amazing levels so that you could justify massive taxes so you could redistribute the wealth and gain complete domination. And uh, it seems like it seems like those are the very things that are happening. Absolutely. And it, it reminds me of something that you wrote about in Real Clear Politics. And I'll read um, this particular line here. We have painted our fellow Americans as deplorable, stupid and worse. It is this type of malicious political rhetoric fueled by opportunistic politicians and profit-driven media organizations that has rolled our deeply divided nation. And, of course, we continue to see it more and more divided. Why do you think that is exactly? Clearly, they want, they want dominance. They want control. But it didn't used to be this way. No, I think it's, it's quite intentional. And, uh, you know, the, the four cornerstones that the American Cornerstone Institute is based on uh, 
faith and liberty and community and life. Well, take the community one there. Uh, this nation became strong because we had strong communities. We had people who worked together, who helped each other, and they were neighbors to each other. If a, farmer's, a farmer broke his leg, everybody pitched in and harvested his crops for him. That's the way it used to be. Now you have a situation where that person who lived across the street from you for the last 20 years peacefully uh, is now your enemy because they have a different yard sign than you do. Uh, and what is that caused by? That's caused by politicians and the media, nothing else. And we're allowing them to have too much influence. And one of the things that we have to begin to do is get the American people to recognize that we are not each other's enemies. We're wasting a lot of unnecessary energy being enemies for no reason. We agree on way more stuff than we disagree on. And we cannot continue to allow ourselves to be manipulated into a hateful, intolerant people. I agree with that. Absolutely. And you know what's more interesting to me? You mentioned the yard signs and how a lot of folks just would hate their neighbors, especially since the 2016 election. We've seen it dial up uh, quite a bit. But there's beyond just that, simplistically, there is a major attack on black conservatives but oftentimes, I know you know this because people have called you a house N-word, a coon, any negative, disgusting name they can think of. They've also said it recently about Senator Tim Scott. And uh, Joy Reid said that he was a prop. I know people often called you a prop for the Trump administration. Uh, we're told that we're not black enough and we're betraying our race for taking stances like we do publicly. Why is that? And, and how do you handle these vicious comments, especially coming from a place where you were such a beloved figure among everyone, not just conservatives, but everyone. Kids wanted to be just like you. How do you handle all of this? Well, I just remember, this is not anything that's any different than many, many years ago during slavery. If you ran away and you got caught, they didn't just kill you. They brought you back and they, they tormented you in front of everybody else so that they would get the lesson, do not run away. And it's the same lesson now. Do not depart from what we told you. Do not think for yourself. And if you do, uh, we're gonna try to make an example of you so that other people won't do it. But uh, the, way I, the way I see it, you have to just ask yourself, what is the right thing to do? And you pray, you ask God to give you wisdom, and you move forward. And the fact of the matter is, you know, I find tons of people, particularly in the African-American community, who very much appreciate the stance. And many of them are really starting to wake up quite rapidly and realize that they are being used and manipulated. And uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons that there was so much fear of the last administration because they mm -hmm. were doing things that were very, very helpful to the African-American community. And a lot of people were starting to notice it. They don't want that, believe me. Absolutely. And that, that's one of the things I think uh, Maxine Waters said, if uh, any black man, if she saw black men voting for Trump, that she would never forgive them. And the Democrats were concerned, I think, for the first time in decades about a Republican actually garnering 
uh, so much more of the black vote than they ever have because of policy implemented, which is something that you did over at HUD with Opportunity Zones. Is that right? Opportunity Zones was only one of the things. We had Envision Centers, which brought all the things that were meant to help people be able to climb the ladder and put them under one roof and coordinate them so that that young mother with three kids who never finished high school can find out how she can get child care, can get her GED, can get advanced training, can be able to support herself and teach that to her children so you can break those cycles of poverty. And, you know, we focused virtually all the programs on self-reliance, getting out of dependency. Uh, That was a major threat to many on the left. Yeah, absolutely. It was and it still remains. Let's continue from there in a moment after a quick break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Last month, shortly after leaving the Trump administration, you announced that you're launching the American Cornerstone Institute a nonprofit, nonpartisan conservative think tank 
You mentioned a little bit about the Institute, but what gave you the thought, the idea to start this particular Institute? Because it seems like you're going to be continuing in some way, shape or form some of the work that you did at HUD. This is self-belief, but you're inserting faith in this. How did how did you come about this this idea here? Well, you know, I thought seriously about retiring and relaxing, but I couldn't really do that, seeing what was happening to our country. And, uh, and I just stopped and, and said, you know, what's happening to us? You know, the country doesn't even look like it, it did 20 years ago. We don't have the same values, and we seem to be heading in a downward spiral relatively quickly. So I said, what were the, the things that made us into a great nation? Hmm. And that's when we came up with the cornerstones, faith. You know, our faith, our Judeo-Christian values told us how to relate to each other. Mm. Love your neighbor, not cancel your neighbor if you don't like what he's saying. Completely opposite now. And, uh, you know, when you come to liberty, you know, you look at some of our fundamental liberties, like freedom of speech one of the keys to everything in this country. And yet it's being blunted now. Now, some people say it's not really being blunted because, you know, that only refers to the government limiting your speech. That's not true. If big tech and media impose a silence and the government is okay with it, it has the same deleterious effect. That's what's going on in this country right now. No longer the beacon, in fact, I was looking at a program uh, last week, and students in other countries were being interviewed about whether they wanted to come to America. And to a person, they said they used to, but no, they wouldn't want to come to America now. Mm. And uh, that that really touched me uh, about how the perception of this country is changing so incredibly rapidly. And then, you know, with with community. You know, we have far more that binds us together than that divides us, and yet we allow entities like the media to come in and to grab any little thing that we disagree about and to capitalize on any differences, you know, be it race, be it gender, be it economic status, you know, it doesn't matter, be it religion, whatever and drive wedges between the people and then try to get each segment to think that they are the savior and that they are the ones who will make things fair for them. This is particularly obnoxious in the the black community where they're trying to get everybody to think that you're a victim and that uh, somehow any difficulties that you're having are the fault of someone else. You know, my mother used to always quote a poem to us when we came up with an excuse called Yourself to Blame. And my brother and I didn't want to hear that poem, so we stopped making excuses. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. worked out just, just fine for us. And then, you know, the whole concept of life. You know, the further away we get from respecting life, from the womb to the tomb, the more callous and coarse our behavior becomes with respect to each other. And uh, so that's why, you know, we're focusing on those things. It's not only a think tank, it's also a do tank. We've got various projects going on. We'll be launching the Little Patriots this summer, in which uh, we're teaching children at a very young age the true history of America, 
and about civics and about how our government works, things that we have either thrown away or rewritten in an inappropriate way. And, of course, that's exactly along the lines of Marxism. Karl Marx said, give me your young people for three or four years, and I'll have them for life. Well, we want to start early teaching them the right things. Wow. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned something that I want to go back to. You talked about victimhood, which we know it's heavily and excessively exists in the black community. It exists in, in every community, to be perfectly honest. But we do have a lot of folks who have capitulated to the idea that they can't do particular things because of the neighborhood they grew up in, that maybe they come from a single parent home. Um, they've been on government assistance. You're black. Therefore, you're incapable, as some would argue, especially on the left. You're incapable of succeeding. Now, th- this is disgusting in every way. Um, I think it's real and legitimate racism when you consider people that way. And I know there's some good intentioned white liberals who seem to have this idea and run with it on a consistent basis is, is disgusting. But I want to ask you something a bit more specific, which I think some of this comes from. Do you believe that institutional racism exists today? I think the place where it exists is among the people who see someone like me or someone like you and decide how they must think based on their race. Hmm. That's that's the institutional racism. Uh, but in terms of our society, you know, I, I grew up in Detroit and in Boston, you know, late 50s and the 60s. And believe me, I can tell you real racism when I see it. We had to deal with it every day, and it was rough. Mm. It's nothing like that today. Nothing like that at all. And, you know, you take something like the George Floyd case, which, uh, you know, was horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. No, no excuse there. But that is an incredibly unusual situation. And to try to take that and make it seem like an everyday occurrence, I think, is a real distortion of what's going on. And then to use that. Uh, to incite riots and destruction of, pro- you know, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We do need to discuss it. We do need to talk about police reform. We need to talk about alternative ways for police to apprehend people and to control people. There needs to be all of those discussions. But intelligent people, you know, learn from mistakes. And uh, I think that officer obviously did things that were completely inappropriate that needs to be investigated in terms of why he did things that were completely inappropriate and appropriate measures need to be taken but that does not include destroying the lifetime work of people in that neighborhood yeah and 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 i agree with that especially the, the last point of destroying other people's work or in your own community to be honest a lot of this happened in Folks who may be poor or marginalized people, this happened in their community. So this it was it was despicable. But on the point of police reform, we have had documented instances where police officers unjustly harm people or murdered people. Police have gone to jail. So we know police reform is absolutely necessitous. And, and talking about this institutional, the idea of institutional racism, 
which I personally do believe exists. Do you think there are systems in place now, right now, where people are being marginalized because of their race? Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, as as long as there is evil in the world and people with small minds, uh, you're going to have unfairness. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we need to make sure we have in place measures that detect that unfairness and deal with it? Absolutely. And do we do we need to acknowledge the fact that that has improved dramatically and will continue to improve? You know, there was a time when people honestly believed that black people were inferior intellectually. Yeah. You know, you can hold on to that if you want to, but there's multiple examples now that show that that's not true. Um, so a lot of the behaviors that we encountered decades ago were based on false information that has been corrected. And I think we see a, a major change. Doesn't mean that we've completely eliminated the problem and that we don't need to be concerned about it and continue to work toward resolution. You know, to to that point, on there was a time where they believe that black folks were um, intellectually inferior. I think that still exists today, and that I can provide the example of them saying, "Hey, we need to eliminate uh, math because uh, it's racist now." So, with that being the case, they're continuing that long legacy just in a different way of attempting to marginalize black folks. So it's 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 one of those things that have to be called out. But I want to go back to ACI, which is your institute, the the four key principles, faith, liberty, community and life. Now, you ran for president in 2016. And when you ran and I remember because I was I worked with Armstrong, Armstrong Williams, that is who's a, a close uh, a confidant of yours. And I was support very supportive of, of your candidacy, I think, as a, a lot of other people were as well. And interesting enough for me to note some of the things you were saying were kind of focused on those four principles. And what's also interesting to me is before Donald Trump entered the scene, you were really advancing in the polls. And Donald Trump came in and said a lot of the same things that you were saying. He was just forceful. That was interesting. You you legitimately could have been president. So <laughs> our, our policies were, were quite similar. Uh, our personalities are diametrically opposed. <laughs> Absolutely, they are. But he used your same rhetoric, it, Muslim ban. He used a lot of the same things that you were saying, which you were dialing up in the polls. And he was just more forceful. You could have been president. How, how, <laughs> looking back on that time, how does that make you feel? If there was no Donald Trump, it might have been a Ben Carson presidency. Well, he frequently says to me, he says, Ben, aren't you glad you didn't win? (laughs) 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 I have to admit, you know, there may be some validity there because, you know, for the left, the only thing worse than Satan is a black conservative. Mm. They just can't can't even abide the thought. And, uh, you know, they would have been after me, too, maybe for different reasons. It wouldn't have been because of inflammatory comments, but... Uh, they still would have been there, believe me. So, you know, the, the Lord knows what, what's best. It's it's fine. I'm, I'm okay. And I actually enjoyed very much this uh, position that I'm in now as we try to find 
rational, logical approaches to the things that are going on and be able to explain those to people in a very reasonable, understandable way and help the people of America to recognize that we're not each other's enemies. Stop Mm. being manipulated. This is so vitally important for everything that we do. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Now, you know, I'm I'm really thoughtful about how I grew up. And I mentioned South Side of Chicago, mom addicted to crack cocaine. And there was a lot of obstacles just like you experienced. But one thing that I like to say beyond any institutional racism, beyond any obstacles, it doesn't matter what the obstacle is, even if it's the president of the United States, my faith supersedes all laws it supersedes any individual it 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 supersedes any vendetta that may be against me what does your christian faith mean to you and were you able to really utilize that as a vehicle to move beyond poverty and all the things that you experienced in your youth uh it, it has helped me enormously uh anytime i faced obstacles and i've had some pretty substantial obstacles along the way believe me um and I would pray that God would either remove the obstacles or give me wisdom to know what to do. I can't think of a single time that my prayers were not answered. And, uh, well, I can think of, of, of a couple of times when they were, in retrospect, very inappropriate prayers. <laughs> mm. And I look back and I understand. I said, boy, thank you, Lord, for not answering that one. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he knows what he's doing, and absolutely. You now, you think about that those principles of loving your fellow man, caring about your neighbor, of taking care of the poor, not in a way that keeps them poor, but in a way that provides them with opportunities. You know, these these are are Christian biblical type principles, and. When we manifested those, we did well. Now, this is some people say, yeah, but you had slavery. Uh, we weren't perfect. Uh, you know, this country was inhabited by people, and people are not perfect. And over the course of time, slavery has been a scourge on humanity. Mm-hmm. Today, there are more slaves than there have ever been in the history of the world. It's still a problem, even today, to 2021. And we should work very hard to eliminate it. But do recognize that, you know, that was no big aberration. This this is things that have been going on forever. Doesn't excuse it, you know, doesn't doesn't make it okay, but it puts it in context. Mm, absolutely. No, I appreciate you you sharing that. I know faith and, and, and Christian values for some people can be such a private thing, but certainly being a public figure, I think people oftentimes will look at your life and your journey and, and just want to know more and want to know what God has done for you personally, which is everything. So I'm really appreciative to, to hear that from you myself. It gives me confidence that we're going to get out of this situation that we're in right now in this country, because I always say God plays the long game. We tend to play the short game. We we'd be panic and we say, "Oh, no, this is going." But I think it's actually very important that the nation see how the left does things, because I don't think they would have believed it if you just said, "You know, they're going to be doing this and this and this." Nah, they wouldn't do that. 
Now you can see they would do that. And I think that's very important going forward. Absolutely. And that makes me wonder, and, and by the way, I, I appreciate that faith gives you confidence because faith is the assurance, the confidence, the title deed, the scripture says. So I appreciate that. Now, do you think that the Republicans are going to win back the House and the Senate here in this coming up election? I think if they are courageous enough to insist on election reform and election integrity, absolutely they'll win it back. If they leave things like they are, they'll never win anything back. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the things that happen. When you have Secretary of State and governors and people who can say, well, it doesn't really matter whether the signatures match and eh, it doesn't matter whether you get the ballots in on time or not. Eh, it doesn't matter if the ballots aren't folded indicating that they weren't actually mailed. Oh, yeah, none of that stuff really matters. It's okay. Well, as long as you're letting that go on, forget it. <laughs> you're never going to win anything. Right. A hundred percent. So we'll see what Republicans do, but you can't do much if you don't have the the majority. So understanding that federally, that that's an issue. But the, certainly we have a lot of state houses and governorships that that kind of legislative reform can be implemented. There's a lot of concentration on that now. And that's, that's a very good thing. It will help us. And, and shining the light and insisting on, you know, one of the things that the Democrats do is they insist on things, even when they're in the minority. They seem to be much better at that. And the Republicans of getting their way. We, we we need to look at their playbook. Yeah, I I I think to a degree Donald Trump had already looked at the playbook and he ran he ran it pretty pretty hardcore. But uh, speaking of that, as you know, in January there was uh, issues at the at the Capitol. There was a riot at the Capitol, as you know. There's been numerous figures within the Trump administration who said that they either don't support the president anymore or they're ending their move ending the, the movement meaning make America great again they're not going to be a part of it some very prominent folks Nikki Haley among others and Stacy Dash it was just released reported anyway she said that after that happened at the capitol that she's no longer a part of the the MAGA movement but i believe she still considers herself to be a, a conservative how did that impact you and and what do you think about that situation? Well, I have a tendency to be a big picture guy. I look at the big picture. And the big picture says, if we on the conservative side are fractionated, cannot join forces and work together, whether it's Donald Trump at the head of the table or whoever it is at the head of the table, if we cannot unite behind them because of our little pet peeves and little things that angered us, and we're done. And again, take a, take a page from the Democrats' playbook. They have big disagreements. You know, you have those who are moderate and those who are far left. But they put it behind them when it comes to something important to them. And if conservatives learn how to do that, believe me, they will be a formidable force. And that's why there are a lot of people out there fanning those flames. They want the conservatives to be divided in each other. So believe me, that's the only way that they can stay in power. I understand that. Certainly. I want to pick up from there in a moment. But first, let's go to break. 
tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. of the, the Capitol, the riot at the Capitol, how, how did that impact you? Specifically, how did you feel about that situation? Do you still support the president? Are you giving up on the movement? Are you continuing strong ahead, straight, straight ahead? How did it impact you? Well, it was horrible, but uh, I do not buy into the fact that, that the president caused it. And the FBI has plenty of evidence now that there were groups who were planning this long before the president's speech. And they were warned about it. And in fact, the president had recommended that they have 10,000 troops there. And others had requested it. And it was the leadership of the House that vetoed it because they didn't think it would look good. That's where the real blame lies. You have that many people, and you know you have some who have nefarious intentions. And you don't provide the kind of security that's necessary, and then you want to blame that all on one person? I don't think so. But does he bear any any blame in this situation? He said he was going to go to the Capitol. Well, I, I, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. You know, there, there were warnings that everybody could have heeded. And I think, you know, we, we should have done everything we could to make sure that we cooled the situation out, particularly knowing that there were groups there who were intending to be violent. Okay, so so President Trump could have uh, approached it quite differently than he did. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in virtually every situation that goes awry, you know, in retrospect, you could have done much better. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I appreciate that, that assessment, Dr. Carson. Now, but before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about um, your career in medicine, clearly enormously successful, a giant in the medical field. Um, and you've talked about before how you got interested in medicine. Now, is there still a chance that you might go back into medicine at some point? Would you, would you do that? Uh, pretty unlikely at age 69. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I probably uh, would uh, 
would find it a little more uh, stressful and uh, demanding than my body might have uh, the energy for. But I stay obviously quite interested in it, still do a lot of reading and keeping up with what's going on. Okay, I understand that. Let me ask you this question, which I think would probably be a head-scratcher. If the Biden administration wanted to use you in an advisory capacity, would you do it as a medical expert? I would always be willing to do things to help our nation. Hmm. I don't care who was asking. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm not a highly partisan person. But I am a highly patriotic person. And if there are things that can be done that will support and uplift our nation, I would always do those things. All right. Well, I appreciate that. One and final question to you, Dr. Carson. You obviously became well-known for your work as a neurosurgeon years ago, but you first gained national fame, if you will, in a political context among conservatives in 2013 when you spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast and seemed to be critical of then-President Obama's policies, did you ever think back then that one day you would have served in a president's cabinet and be so involved in politics in a leadership capacity? Uh, no, that that certainly was not part of the plan. <laughs> but uh, it, it's interesting, though. You know, some of the uh, people on the left have said to me, uh, that was very offensive what you said uh, during that prayer breakfast. And I said, well, it seems to me that it would only be offensive if, sort of, if it applied to you. <laughs> <laughs> Which made them even angrier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Is there anything uh, new for you coming up? Do you have any big projects coming up that folks at home should know about? And where can people find you on social media and elsewhere? Well, people should go to uh, AmericanCornerstone.org. And uh, there's some beautiful videotapes there, uh, some newsletters, uh, op-eds, all kinds of things. And there's even a donate button. So there's all kinds of good things to do there. Get involved. This is the real key thing. This country is up for and by the people, not up for and by the government. And uh, that means we have to take an active role. If we don't take an active role, the government just expands. And we wind up with the very kind of situation that people were fleeing from when they came to this country in the first place. Wow. So, so true. And is Dr. Ben Carson on social media? Uh, we have a uh, Facebook page, and uh, we'll continue to, to use that, but we're also looking at some other uh, very interesting developing platforms uh, to make sure that you can actually get your voice out there without worrying about whether somebody's going to be looking over your shoulder and deciding whether you can say that or not. Thank you so, so much for joining me here on out loud with Gianno Caldwell and your, your message will go far and long. We, we really appreciate for all you mean to this country, to this world. And, uh, as a Christian, one Christian to another, thank you for continuing to speak about your faith because there's a lot of people who are hurting, um, who can't see a way forward, but they hear about your story. And now all of a sudden they believe. And I think that's, 
certainly uh, an aspect of faith and abundance. So thank you, uh, and we're praying for you, Doc. And thank you for what you're doing for our country. We really appreciate it. I want to give a special thanks to Dr. Ben Carson for an extraordinary interview. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcast. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloud at gingrich360.com and I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. And please sign up for my monthly newsletter at gingrich360.com slash outloud. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Gianno Caldwell. If you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers Debbie Myers, and of course, speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.